0: THE HOLY GOSPEL ACCORDING TO MATTHEW, THE TWENTY-FIFTH CHAPTER. Glory to you, o LORD. THEN THE KING WILL SAY TO THOSE AT HIS RIGHT HAND, COME, YOU THAT ARE BLESSED BY MY FATHER, INHERIT THE KINGDOM THAT WAS PREPARED FOR YOU FROM THE FOUNDATION OF THE WORLD. FOR I WAS HUNGRY AND YOU GAVE ME FOOD, The Gospel of the Lord. To
1: you, Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, welcome back again to the fall uh, and to the start of the program. You're here at St. Philip the Deacon. If you were here last week, you know that we are now, today, in the second week of a three-week sermon series we're calling, uh, What Do Christians Believe? Or What Do Christians Believe? Anyway, and it's not just a primer on our core beliefs, uh, but rather, we're, we're taking a few um, beliefs that, in my estimation, the culture around us gets wrong. It misunderstands what we as Christians believe, and since we are part of that culture, it's sort of inevitable that we end up just by osmosis starting to believe what the culture says we believe. As I said last week, this three-week series is by no means comprehensive or exhaustive. There are lots of these kind of topics, but I hope that it is uh, representative, at least, of this dynamic. If you were here last week, you know we took up last week the topic of the resurrection of the body. You can always hear... Past sermons uh, on our website. If you didn't have a chance to listen to that one uh, this week, and I gave you fair warning, if you were here, we're talking about money. So if you were here last week and you came back, thank you. <laughs> if you were not here last week, surprise. <laughs> the um, the pattern every week is going to be very simple. Uh, I'm going to talk a little about what is the culture, and again, this is broad brushstrokes. I get that, but I think it's fair. Um, What does the culture assume or think we believe as Christians? What do we actually believe? And why does it matter? So, on this one, it's, again, starting with the cultural belief. This is a little uh, complicated, isn't maybe quite the right word, but curious maybe, because what the culture believes is actually based on a Bible verse that we all know. Um, which I very intentionally did not choose as our reading for today for reasons which will become obvious. Um, And that Bible verse comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6. We've all heard it a million times. The verse is, For the love of money is the... Yes, I think I got that collective response. (laughs) Uh, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, if you take that verse... Uh, what it say, it's saying—it's very clear. What it says is, all of the problems in the world, all of the evil in the world, comes from a single source, which is what—the love of money. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that? Okay. Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. You—you you keep your answer to yourself. I don't believe that I think that that overreaches I think it's overstating it I think it's it's far too comprehensive a claim that every single problem in the world comes from the love of money which is why now we're moving to what do Christians actually believe it is such a relief to read not what we think the Bible verse says but what it actually says now it's, it's just very slightly different from what we all believe it says. And you can look this up. It's on page 1083. Uh, but the very minor change in language makes a world of difference. What the verse actually says is, for the love of money is a root, not the root, but a root, one of potentially many roots that are not named, of all kinds of evil. So it's not for the love of money is the root of all evil. It is the lo- for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's a far more restrained, responsible, and yet realistic um, understanding of the place of money. It's acknowledging some problems in the world come from a love of money, absolutely, but not all of them. Now I want to pause on this just for a moment and ask, or just lift up, if when I ask the question, do you believe, the cultural assumption that the love of money is the root of all evil, and in your heart you thought, if you're honest, if you thought, hmm, I don't think I do believe that. That seems kind of extreme, but it's in the Bible. It's what Christians believe, so I guess I'm supposed to believe it, even though it doesn't make sense to me. That. Is precisely the point of this series and what I want to suggest to you uh, we're talking about money this is one example of this but if there are other instances in your life where you think huh I don't think what the Bible says about whatever makes sense to me or I don't think what the Christian church ter- church teaches about whatever makes sense to me here's an idea I mean this sincerely do a little research Find out what the Bible actually says. Find out what the Christian church actually teaches, and you may be surprised. You may discover that the Christian teaching is more responsible, more coherent, more intelligent than the culture sometimes gives us credit for. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen to that? All right. Now, we're still in the what do we believe as Christians about money I'll tell you, three weeks is not nearly enough for this series, I'm sorry. But, um, but I want to just say a few more words about what Christians believe. And whatever else you want to say about the Christian belief about money, you can say this objectively, money comes up a whole lot in the Bible. By some counts, 2,300 or 2,400 verses in the Bible are about money, which is four or five times as many verses as faith and prayer combined. It comes up a lot. Jesus talks about money in about half of his parables, the New Testament, about one in seven verses uh, talks about money in the Gospels, about one in ten verses talks about money. So it comes up again and again. Now, question for you, do you think all 23 or all 2,400 of those verses say the same thing? No, they don't. And if you just take a far smaller sample and you talk about well what did jesus say about money even he says all kinds of different things depending on the context depending on the audience depending on the people he's talking to so just as a very small sampling he says to one woman for example or he celebrates the woman who has nothing who gives away her last penny he also celebrates the person who's wealthy who invests his money wisely. To one young man, he says, go and sell everything and give it to the poor. To another person, he says, hey, it's important for you to care for your family. So Jesus' comments about money lift up a lot of things, as do all the biblical verses. So it's hard to say, well, this is what the Bible teaches about money. However, what I wanna argue this morning or suggest this morning is that it comes up again and again for this reason. The biblical authors are very smart they know that money has power. Or if you prefer the word, money is invested with energy. Which means it is what? Dangerous. And please listen carefully. I did not just say money is bad or money is evil. What I said is money, because it is invested with power, is dangerous. And there are all kinds of examples that make this point about anything, anything that has power is dangerous. Medicine is powerful because it can heal us, but it it can also injure us if used incorrectly. Electricity can light a beautiful room like this, but it can also electrocute us. Fire can warm us. It can also burn things down, okay? Money is like that. Because it's invested with power, it can do good things and it can do bad things. It sort of depends how we use it. Thus endeth the sermon about what Christians believe in a very brief few words. Why does any of this matter? Here's why I think it matters. It matters for the simple reason that God loves you. And if you study the Bible, one of the big narrative arcs of the Bible is this, to those of us who are Christians, Don't put something in God's place that isn't God. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. That's not because God is up in heaven saying, I am so jealous, I hope they like me more than other things. No, God says that to us, why? Because God knows us intimately. God made us. So God is saying, folks, here's the way to live life. Worship me and me only, and don't let something else get in the way of that. And guess what? Because money is powerful, do you think sometimes it ends up becoming, in technical terms, an idol? Yes. Yes. And so we come here to get that relationship right and be reminded, no, God is the only thing we should worship. Things that are powerful, like money, we should learn to manage, They should be our servant, we should be the master, and not the other way around. And when we get the relationship right, then we are able to use those kind of powerful things like wealth and like money to accomplish God's purposes in this world, which we are reminded of in the Gospel for today, where we're charged from no less than Jesus himself to do what? Feed the hungry, give a drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit those who are uh, ill. Greet the stranger. What does it take to do those things? Resources, wealth, money, which we're invited to use in order to accomplish them. All right, a whole lot more could be said, but that's gonna be enough for today. Next week, we are gonna finish the series by talking about what do Christians believe about sharing our faith, something that Lutherans probably have some muscle work to do on. So come back for that, if you will. Until then, will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we give you thanks today for all of your blessings and all of your gifts, the gift of this day, the gift of this beautiful community where we can come to be reminded of who we are and how much you love us. Today especially, we pray that you will help us to use all of the resources you have given us to accomplish your will in the world. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.